When we talk about diabetes, we talk about more than just a condition that has to be dealt with medicine. It has to deal with an entire lifestyle, changing things, the foods you eat, the way you approach food, your exercise program, and obviously trying to adjust to living with a condition like diabetes. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm really happy to have you with me today for this program. Our guest is Susan Weiner. She is a renowned diabetes educator and lecturer. She earned her master's degree in applied physiology and nutrition from Columbia University and a certificate of training in adult weight management from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. She has a new book, a very exciting new book called The Complete Diabetes Organizer, Your Guide to a Less Stressful and More Manageable Diabetes Life. And I want to, first of all, welcome uh, Susan to the program and thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. When we talk about diabetes, obviously those of us in primary care, actually any specialty, we deal with it in many ways, in many different forms, and and have to deal with some good things, some bad things, and the frustrations. You look at it, I I imagine, mostly not just diet, but from a holistic standpoint of really trying to get people to improve their health with it. Tell me what the most important steps from your perspective are that physicians might need to know. When I look at a person coming into my practice, into my office, I look at them as a whole person. And I think sometimes when a person is diagnosed with diabetes, whether it's by an internist or a cardiologist, usually it's not an endocrinologist at first, only the diabetes is addressed, not the rest of their lifestyle. So I look at their nutrition program and their exercise program and certainly how organized they are. Because if you don't organize your daily routine and plan out your meals and your exercise and everything else you have to do, not much will get done. And when you talk about that, it is, it's easier said than done, I guess, sure. when it comes down to it. What are some of the tips you have? One of the reasons that we came up with doing this book is after 25 years of being a registered dietitian and a certified diabetes organizer, everyone always says, you have to organize. You have to organize your schedule. You have to be able to be organized to take your medications, your insulin, to test your blood sugar, to cook right. But nobody said how to do it. So we came up with a number of tips and tricks on routines, on setting goals, on exercise, on nutrition, on even travel and holiday madness, on actually how to organize various systems in your life so that you can do the best you can do to keep your diabetes in good managed control. When you talk about an organizer, you know, many people mm-hmm. will expect point one, point two, point three. How do you organize it in your book? Well, well, we started out with a chapter on setting goals because everybody's goals are different. Of course, in diabetes, we want our blood sugars to be within a target range that you can discuss discuss with your physician and with your health care team and, of course, with your diabetes educator. But everybody has different goals. Do you need to exercise more? Do you need to eat better? Do you need to remember to take your medications? And diabetes doesn't define you, but it's certainly a part of your life. It doesn't go to sleep when you go to sleep. It's hard to manage even when you're sleeping. So when we looked at each part of a person's life and what's important to them, we really focus at first on what goals do you want to set? What do you need to change? And then we have people actually write in the book and take notes 
and see what they can do first and then flip back to the goal chapter throughout the book to make sure that they can make some changes. How can they come up with specific strategies to make those changes? And we kind of lead them through it by planning ahead and trying to recognize roadblocks and really also rewarding yourself with things other than food, maybe a massage or a luxurious bath or we give them a lot of different ideas. When you talk about the biggest things that physicians have to face with their diabetics that they may not think of, you know, we might be prescribing metformin or going with the latest food idea or whatever. What are the things we really should be thinking of to impact our patients? I always find out from the patient first where they are and what they can handle at the beginning. I think physicians, when they first meet somebody with diabetes, especially if they meet somebody who has a very high blood sugar or A1C and they want to give them so much information and they want them to do well so quickly, it's very important that the physician listen to what the patient is saying. The patient may not be ready to make huge changes at the very beginning, but they may be able to make some smaller changes. So whereas they may not be able to change every single thing that is in their eating plan at the beginning, maybe they can start by having a healthy breakfast or eating breakfast at all. And instead of following guidelines of exercising 150 minutes a week, which are the ADA ACSM guidelines, um, which sounds very overwhelming, you can break that down into taking your dog for a longer walk or parking your car a little further away or walking 10 minutes a day, even though 20 might be what we would love them to do. So breaking it down into small steps that the patient is willing to do. Once they feel so accomplished in those goals, then they can move on and accomplish so much more. So really, you do that and you listen to them. But, you know, one of the things, and you can be honest because you probably deal with a lot of doctors, mm -hmm. people listening to this program, you know, one of the things we don't necessarily always do well as doctors is let things play out over time, let mm -hmm. the process go on. We, we more or less, we have a solution, we want it, and we go for it. It doesn't always work that way, does it? No, it doesn't. And that's, I think, where a, a lot of doctors really should refer to registered dietitians, certified diabetes educators, RNs who are certified diabetes educators, because we do have the ability and the time to sit and listen to the patient and work with the patient. You know very well that if you give a patient a pre-printed copy of any diet, they're not going to follow it, or they'll follow it for two seconds. A do's and, do's and don'ts list for foods that you're supposed to eat usually doesn't work. What does work is when I see a patient in my office and I listen to what they're eating, and we, together with the patient, we make small changes that they think that they can make, and they adapt to three changes that week. We could keep those changes and add three more changes the following week. So if they plan and become organized, and I can coach them into keeping a really good food journal, and by a good food journal I mean an honest food journal, um, then they make permanent changes. And I have such good results. I have great results with my patients that are referred to me by all physicians from all different areas, again, whether it's an internist, an endocrinologist, cardiologist, a nephrologist, when they come to see me and I make these changes, they're always so happily surprised 
when they come back for their next three-month blood sugar test and we get some good results. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host. I'm speaking with Susan Weiner. She's a dietitian, author of The Complete Diabetes Organizer, a guide to a less stressful and more manageable diabetes life. And I like the fact you're saying diabetes life. You're, you're not saying you have mm-hmm. a disease, you have this or that. It's basically living with a condition and, and moving on. Absolutely. And it's it's not defining the person, but it is something that people have to live with when they do have diabetes. And what we do in the book is we really do bring through various parts of a person's life with diabetes and without diabetes that can be managed. Whether or not a person has diabetes, they still have to, they still should to get healthier really revamp their kitchen if their kitchen does need revamping. And remember that whether a person has type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes, other people that live in the house with them may not have diabetes, but it still would be great if they had a nice organized pantry and a nice organized kitchen so that they can plan to make healthy meals as a family or if you live with a roommate or a significant other. So, All of that is important, and we want people who live with people who have diabetes, whether it's a spouse, a parent, or a child, to also have a very healthy lifestyle. Because if you eat well, you eat well whether you have diabetes or whether you don't have diabetes. You're still going to eat well. One of the things we see a lot, especially as primary care physicians, is people on the verge of developing diabetes. They might have mm-hmm. what we call metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, call it what you want. They're, they're making lifestyle choices or things are happening metabolically and physiologically. They're going to lead to the potential problems down the road. When you get people like that and you're saying you want to try and make changes, what are the lifestyle changes that you think are the leading ways to have an impactful potential of changing what could be uh, you know, a diabetes diagnosis in just a matter of a couple of years. A great point that you're making is that pre-diabetes is actually pre-type 2 diabetes. And by that I mean if you don't get pre-diabetes in control, you're going to eventually develop type 2 diabetes in almost all cases. So if you are a person who is in the category of having pre-diabetes, You want to make sure first that your weight is managed. And managing your weight may require changing what you're eating. And working with someone, if it's something that you're feeling that you need some guidance with, who can help you look at what you're doing and make better choices to lose some weight, probably to modify your carbohydrate intake, eat a higher fiber diet and a higher lean protein diet and and Um, all of that very healthy and important food that you need to have in your your daily eating to help to control your weight to prevent prediabetes from turning into type 2 diabetes does require some food shopping. It doesn't magically happen and some meal preparation. The second thing is physical activity. We are not physically active enough as a society. And it doesn't necessarily mean at all going to the gym. It may mean maybe getting something as inexpensive as a pedometer and see how much you're walking every day and try to increase it by a few hundred steps every day, and that will be helpful. I think that sleep and stress management are also incredibly important in managing weight and managing blood sugar levels 
And if you need to be on any type of medication, you need to discuss that with your physician or your health care provider. You know, you talk about things, and I like what you're saying about gradually doing things. One of the things I tell my patients is, you know, you don't have to lose five pounds this week. If you didn't gain any weight, that's a win, and you mm-hmm. should celebrate that. I mean, you, you try to make realistic strides. What about the theory that you eat well, you do what you can, you give yourself the occasional reward? How do you feel about that? I use the word reward a little differently with my patients because I have a lot of patients who have Sometimes some of them overeat, and their overeating is associated with various behaviors or with different stresses. I don't like to use the reward, the word reward and food together. I like them to reward themselves to find something other than food. So I have them reward themselves with an extra walk or some time with a friend they haven't seen for a while or treating themselves to a massage or something that that doesn't cost any any money just spending time with somebody who they you know normally don't spend time with but there is no food that a person with diabetes can't eat it just needs to be planned for and the most important thing is to test blood sugar the, as I learned from um, Jeff Hitchcock, who I also interviewed for the book, who's the founder of Children with Diabetes, he had such a great line. The only bad number is the one you don't know. If you know what your blood sugar number is and it's within basically a target range that you and your physician have you know, agreed upon and have discussed, then you can figure out if you want something out of the ordinary to eat. You have to adjust the, bo- the portion, and you may have to carbohydrate count, of course, for it. But I don't put things as off-limit. I have people be responsible for what they're eating, and I think that that helps a lot to not look at food as a reward or a punishment. It's food. So you really are making a very good point here where you're trying to take it away from that standpoint and, and make it an overall. A lot of things that Again, we as physicians try to do some things and others. I think one of the key points you mentioned, and I want to finish up on this, is that you talked about the time factor. Uh, one of the things that many primary care doctors, frankly, don't have as much of as they like is time. Um, mm. You know, Assuming you're, you, let's say you're in a setting where you may not have the luxury or the resources to have a dietician you can call upon on a regular basis or someone in the practice, what is the best way to get these points across to your patients in the most effective way in limited time? In the limited time you have, try to assess where you think the patient is in terms of making change, how motivated they are, and if they're in a stage of being ready to make a change. And if they are, give them a couple of pointers that they can start to do and encourage them and be possible to make those few changes. Again, if we overwhelm them with change, they won't stick to it. And I do find, especially with nutrition and physical activity, if I overwhelm somebody with too much information on a first visit, whether they get it from the doctor's office or from from my practice, they may do it for a day or two, but then they give up because they haven't planned and organized it into their life. Because somebody's diagnosed with diabetes, doesn't mean they stop working or they stop going to school or they stop being a parent or a spouse or a friend. Everything continues to go on. So we have to be very realistic. Even if we're seeing blood sugar numbers that are really not good at all, we have to be realistic. And that may mean 
um, putting the patient on a medication or an insulin or on a specific carbohydrate-counted regime. But be very realistic because if they're overwhelmed, long-term compliance will be very questionable. Susan Weiner, I want to thank you. We've run out of time, but I really appreciate your joining us and sharing your insights. And obviously, um, Susan Weiner is someone who knows of, as she speaks, she has a private practice in Long Island uh, and busy in private practice, which kind of gives you the sense that she understands the realistic approach of what these patients are dealing with. She's the author of The Complete Diabetes Organizer, Your Guide to a Less Stressful and More Manageable Diabetes Life. Now, if you missed any of this program, and if you want to get more information, please visit reachmd.com slash today to download the podcast and learn more on the series. I want to thank all of you for listening, and I really want to thank you, Susan, for taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me.